Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I have to share with you that um, my mom, whom we came to call Mama Joe, was very vocal about not liking the scripture at all. <laughs> this faithful Christian woman who had more than once read the Bible cover to cover had some harsh words for this story. Did they think they would have had dinner if Martha hadn't prepared the table and cooked the meal and served it? I don't think this is a very good story, she would say. And she would say it about every third year because, you know, it came up in the lectionary. She said, I just as soon think it could be left out of the Bible. She, and so that you know, she wouldn't let anyone in her kitchen. Even growing up, she wouldn't let us in the kitchen because it was just easier for her to do it herself than to have kids under her feet making a mess of things. Wouldn't even, and the only time you got left, let in the kitchen was either uh, after the meal when you were helping clean up and doing the, helping do the dishes, which we did, or sometimes when you know, like at Christmas and stuff, when she'd go to bed exhausted and we'd go in and get the cheese dip out of the refrigerator and get the fritos and, and have a little feast in the evening. That's the times we got to be in the kitchen, but that's about it. Of course, we would all smile when she would carry on about this story about Martha and Mary because we all knew something she couldn't see. She's a Martha, we would say. She's a Martha. And she, she was, all of that. My mom, Mama Jo, was a Martha. And a very good one, I might add. <laughs> Truth be told, we all have a little bit of Martha in us, don't we? Overly concerned about what we do, what others think of us, comparing ourselves to others, judging what others do or say that doesn't fit with what we think they ought to be doing and saying tied in knots about rules, what's right and what's wrong. We all have a little bit of that. Let's just be honest. <laughs> if you read my brief devotional on this week's New Church E-News, you know that I'm heartsick about what's going on in our world and in our country and in our state right now and in our community in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I, I get the Dallas Morning News online every day, and I mean, it's every day. There's three or four reports of shootings. It's very, you know, it's very, creates a deep heartache. I imagine most of you are heartsick, too. These are troubled days. And on a Sunday morning, I, I really pray to offer 
a relevant, realistic word of hope for our community, a word of hope that I need to hear. So, at the same time, I, I have to say that um, I had a hard time relating this story of Martha and Mary to what's going on in the world right now, you know? And, and I don't even like it all that much. So I'm, I'm pretty much in there with Mama Jo, I guess. Um, but let me try. Let me begin, and as I begin, I add a couple of more confessions. Like I said, like Mama Jo, I've never really very much liked this story, and the reason I don't very much like this story is because I feel like it has pitted two women against each other. It's just not, you know, and that's, by the way, the way it's been preached for years and years and years. But the second confession I have to make is that now, having prepared for this sermon and read lots of notes about this text, I think I've had a lack of imagination about it. I've had a lack of spiritual insight about this story because as I read and as I learned more, I realized that we've been preaching this story all wrong. I mean, there, there's good, good stuff to learn, you know, certainly from it. You know, the monks, uh, different religious orders for years have taught that this is a story about action and contemplation. You know, the, the two things that as baptized disciples, we are to tend to, right? We're to be contemplative, but we're also to not just look at our belly buttons, but change the world, you know? So, um, but, you know, I, I actually think uh, there's there's some very interesting things about this story that I have never really actually thought about until now. So you see, with the Bible and with the stories of Jesus and all that, there's always, always, always something new happening. There's always things to learn. And maybe that's why my mama read the Bible through cover to cover several times, even in her old age. So let's take a look at this story. Um, and, and I have to say that um, I, I, I'm indebted to author, professor, preacher, teacher, prof, you know, David Lose, who's written many times about this text. Uh, and, and I learned a lot from him this week. Um, but let's, let's, let's talk about it. So. As I said, the story has seemed to pit one woman against another, one sister against another, and anybody who's had sisters knows exactly how that works, you know? Um, but as I read it again, I realized that this doesn't sound like Jesus. This doesn't sound like the Jesus I know. This doesn't sound like the Jesus I know from Luke. So what, what is going on here? And, and what hurts me about it is I think of all the people like my mom who their whole lives, the, you know, that was a way my mom showed us how she loved us. 
was by cooking, you know? She showed us how she loved us by keeping the house clean and picked up. I mean, in, in so many things, and, and there's so many of us that are like that, that uh, have been undervalued because of their servanthood or service, right? But, and, and really, let's all be honest here, and maybe it's just me, <laughs> but, um, you know, given a choice between, between sitting quietly and going and doing something, I'm, I'll wager that nine times out of ten, we're going to choose the doing something. And especially in our culture today, right? Where doing something is how we measure our success, right? And yet, everybody tells us that contemplation is how we actually encounter God. And not that we don't encounter God in servanthood or service, but, but contemplation is you know, that God's first language is silence. And so, you know, so anyway, there's all of that we got to think about. Well, obviously in this story, Martha represents the active life or the servant life, and Mary represents the contemplative, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious, I think. But the problem comes in that Jesus, in what Jesus has to say to Martha, right? Jesus saying, you know, Martha, Jesus seems to affirm her, her, I mean, Jesus seems to affirm Mary's contemplative posture, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha, Martha, you are busy about lots and lots of things. Mary's taken the one remaining thing needed. So, you know, that's just interesting to me. And, and like I said, it's often been read with the idea that Jesus is um, kind of Martha, Martha, <laughs> instead of who I understand Jesus to really be, delighting in her. Martha, Martha, you, you, you're so busy about so many things. One thing, one thing remains needed. So, I mean, we have to look at this language because, you know, it does seem to imply that Mary, Mary got the gold ring, you know. <laughs> Mary figured it out, right? But there's other things. And I want to remind you that the, this, I don't think this story is really about favoring contemplation over and against servanthood or service. I think... Uh, that's that's our making, because we like either or, you know, we like that stuff. So, um, so consider the culture of Martha and Mary in Jesus in Jesus' day. So Martha's work was expected of her. This was the expectation, and and if we're really honest, for a lot of women, it's the expectation today, right? Still. Uh, Guests were coming, and so Martha got busy making sure everyone had what they needed. Uh, this was, and in some ways, like I said, it still is, what was expected. And that work was not only expected, but valued. Pe people saw it in the Jewish community as hospitality. And hospitality, by the way, permeates 
permeates all our sacred scriptures. This idea of welcoming the stranger, caring for the widow and the orphan, the poor. I mean, all that hospitality thing permeates our sacred scriptures. Um, so, there are a few things that Luke uh, values more than hospitality. It, it's all throughout the Gospel of Luke, right? What was not expected was that Mary would become a disciple. So if hospitality was the work of women, discipleship was the work of men. And yet, lo and behold, look at where Mary sits. She comes in with the men and sits at the feet of Jesus. Startling. She felt herself worthy enough to sit at Jesus' feet. And, and you know, to sit at Jesus' feet, the language of that is really about sitting, being taught. That she has come in to be taught with the disciples about what her pastor is teaching her what her rabbi is teaching her. She has come in and sat down at Jesus' feet, and that was not expected at all. Luke's gospel has long been recognized for what we might call a progressive view of women, he, regularly citing women as important to the mission and ministry of Jesus, and yet still, and yet still, even in the gospel of Luke, they're in a secondary role, right? They're behind the scenes. They're supporting. They're helping. Like Martha. But Mary changes the whole thing. Mary changes the whole dynamic by coming and, and, and what does Jesus say? Oh, Martha, Martha, you're so busy. And I love you, but you're so busy. And Mary's chosen a better portion. The one remaining thing right? Which is to follow, to become a disciple. And, um, and, and so Mary takes her place in the pantheon of disciples. She, she has become a true disciple. She ought to get her own stained glass window for that, right? <laughs> So what if Jesus' admonition to Martha, as I said, about the one necessary thing, the one thing remaining, is not about the roles they played, but inviting Martha to be something different, to imagine herself as something different. She imagines and lives into the possibility of stretching a cultural norm with her sister Mary. Because she would be in the presence of the one through whom God promises that all things are possible. Even what hasn't been dreamed of yet. Moreover, I believe that Jesus' repetition of Martha's name is a deep expression of affection. 
not reprimand. And if that's true, then we have some important questions to ask ourselves. What do we see? Whom do we see as worthy? How do we see ourselves? How do we see others? Or do we see them at all? And perhaps that is the way we can use this gospel to approach our current heartaches, right? That Mary, in the Gospel of Luke, is seen for who she has felt worthy enough to be, a disciple of Jesus, right? And that Jesus is inviting Martha to have that same imagination, right? And so, so you know, all of the protests going on right now, you know, uh, is a desire of women and LGBTQIA+, and black, Hispanic, Asian, indigenous people, people with disabilities, immigrants, refugees, the poor, the elderly, children, to be treated with equality. This boils down to wanting to be seen, wanting to be valued, wanting to be honored, wanting to be loved, wanting to be known. This is what it all boils down to. This is why so many people are protesting now and rising up to say, no, we matter. I matter. My body matters. And it matters to have life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and the opportunity for quality health and the opportunity for good food to eat and a safe place to live. All of this matters. So, so many of the problems and conflicts we are experiencing now are a result, I think, in part of our need to hold so steadfastly to our own cultural norms and expectations that we refuse to see the possibilities of God. The possibilities that God is still unfolding before us. We live in a world and a culture that constantly draws lines. And what you find out when you draw a line is that Jesus is always on the other side. (laughs) Inevitably, right? Jesus is going to be on the side of those who have been marginalized and oppressed, who have been drawn out of the circle, right? So, perhaps we can hear in Jesus' words to Martha, not a rebuke, but an invitation. The invitation to see more in herself than she thought possible, and in turn to see more in the the possibilities of others. And if that's true for Martha, then maybe, just maybe, we can hear God inviting us to see ourselves as more than we thought possible. And if that's possible, then maybe we can also see others, all people we encounter as children of God, even the ones we disagree with. But what if there's something more in this story? (laughs) Because I think there is. There's another idea that becomes visible after we consider all of this with Martha and Mary and if we take a look back at the idea of hospitality, Dominican monk Peter Hunter, writing about this story, uncovers it for us. You see, at the center of our Christian lives is an act of hospitality. Do you know that? 
it's not our hospitality. It's God's hospitality. You know? That, that our God, in the person of Jesus, invites us as guests to a meal where we're all welcomed. And in light of that, the story of Mary and Martha reverses the order of hospitality, that it's not Martha making a place at the table for Jesus and the other guests. It's about Jesus welcoming Martha and Mary to have a new imagination. The story is not about pitting these two women against each other, one better than the other. And it's not a story about the opposition, opposition of activity and contemplation. The one thing needed, the one remaining thing, is about finding your place in the life of God. That's the one thing. About cooperating with God who is hospitable to us and makes a home with us and within us. You know, it's like that song we were singing, one thing remains. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never gives out on us. You know, that's the one remaining thing that God is constantly coming toward us in a gesture of hospitality. My sweet mom, in about 2008, or so, somewhere in there, opened up her kitchen. In her heart to a little girl and to Stephanie, let Stephanie come into the kitchen and cook, really cook. Now, that was a big step for my mom. And that's before she got really to where she couldn't really remember things. She was already kind of having difficulty remembering immediate things. But she did know that she gave Stephanie her kitchen. And before five years had passed and she had left for the church triumphant, she did all of that. And she became the best part of Martha and Mary. You see, with God, it has always been about vision and imagination and hope, seeing with new eyes and opening our hearts, right? To that one thing, that one thing. And in that, we can become alive in God and become the church alive.